Hello and welcome back to Something Rotten Season 3 Manhunt Episode 2. Blake and I have beat Manhunt by Rockstar Games. We have finished it. We have uh, dispensed with any number of pigs of any number of varieties. uh, And we're here to talk about it. I'm Jacob Geller. With me is Blake Hester. Uh, Blake, uh, how... How many times did you feel like you were going to throw the controller through the wall while playing these second 10 levels? Well, Jacob, I figure I should begin this episode with a bit of an admission, perhaps. Mm. I had to watch the last couple levels. <laughs> I, okay. I, I thought that might happen. <laughs> and here's the thing. I didn't feel bad doing it, A, because life is short. B, I, I didn't think you would care. C, by the end of this game, I felt like it had thrown away everything I liked about the game. And I was just like, it would just, it would be easier for everyone if I just watched this on YouTube. And honestly, now that I have seen the whole thing, I only regret not playing one of the levels. Um, it seemed like I would have continued having a miserable time through the last like two or three levels. That is really interesting because I have to say, I felt like these last 10 levels, I was like, the game is paying out. I felt like I almost, I like paid my dues in the first 10 (laughs) levels. I got smacked around and, and in these last 10, I was like, I get it in a way that I did not necessarily through the first half. So I am really uh, excited to talk to you about what, what happened and kind of like the weird gameplay things that it does here um i mean i think you know most importantly it was just a repeating cycle you know the end of the 10th level was basically the end of the 9th and the 8th where like you got through a section you got thrown into a van and and Mm. taken to the next place and so the the main interesting thing uh like plot wise that this one does is you break out of that cycle. You get mm-hmm. to a point where the director is like, okay, Cash, you did a good job. Now I'm going to fucking kill you. Right, and, right, right. Uh, and then, surprise, uh, you survive. Also, bad trap by him being like, I'm going to kill you by putting in the same kind of room that you've been <laughs> murdering through for this entire game. Um, yeah. But you escape, and then the last last half of this, even more than half is kind of outside of the realm of the snuff film that you had been theoretically making for all of the game so far. Yeah, I I thought it was in I, I don't know. I felt like the game lost some of its vibe by then, and I don't know if that makes me a freak to be like I wanted to do more of the snuff stuff, but I found the game more interesting going kind of gang by gang, district by district of Carcer City and mm-hmm. like kind of exploring the world that way where by the end it felt like just kind of this prolonged sequence of now cash is trying to escape. And I think the thing that really killed it more than anything for me is like when this game starts focusing on guns, I'm just not into it. I never was into it. And that's like eventually why I kind of like gave up was is like, I have done this many gun levels in a row. I'm not enjoying the vibe anymore. I'm not enjoying playing this. And yeah, I don't know. It lost me by then. I, what do you what what connected with you more? I mean, oh gosh, there there are a lot of things. I think 
one of the things that I thought was cool about this, and I feel like we're, we're going in deep before we maybe go in shallow, but, like, I... In, in the first, like, couple gun levels that we had in the, the first section, it was, like, you were just... Everyone knew where everyone was all of the time. Yeah. You know, that, like, like in that shopping mall area, it was just, like, you walked into a room, you had shot up the previous room, everyone was aware that you were walking into a room. It was just a shootout. And this, I found, and especially in the levels with, with kind of the city cops... Mm -hmm. That, like, there was a lot more of, you know, what what the back of the box would describe as, like, cat and mouse gameplay, where, like, you know, it's like, I would, I would shoot and then disappear into the shadows, and then they would be looking for me, and I would, like, hide and, and whatever, and so I felt like the, there was just a ton more gun stuff, you're absolutely yeah. right about that, but, like, for me, I thought that they they did a good job of like adding variety in the gun levels. And also like, I do have to say, I, I just like the guns are predictable in a way that the stealth was not. And so like, even though uh, often it still feels like the game is completely unfair to you. It's like, <laughs> sure. you don't have to worry about someone spinning around 180 degrees when you're trying to shoot them because like, you don't have to do that whole wait and see with yeah the, you know with a melee weapon but before honestly before we get into that let's talk about those first couple levels because mm -hmm. i think both of us were really into them oh which yeah. are the uh the asylum yeah those levels are uh problematic to say the least <laughs> but, sure but yeah they're really cool i mean the game's levels really open up in that back half and I, it feels like mm -hmm. it starts with this one. Like, compared to the first half of the game, the asylum feels massive. Just kind of the, I don't know, you would call them dungeons you seem to enter. You know, where it's like, here's here's this 10 guys, here's this next 10 guys. They feel huge and more dynamic than a lot of the other levels. There's kind of that greenhouse area in the asylum. Yeah. Where uh -huh. There is a metric shit ton of dudes. And, like, you can get a gun, but you're never going to have enough bullets to take them all out. And there right. are no good hiding spots. And the game is just, like, figure it out. And it took me, like, 30, 40 minutes to finally clear that room. Mm -hmm. But it felt so fun. Like, it was delivering on some of the more immersive simmy stuff from the first half. It felt like I was full-blown. Har Harvey Smith made this shit. Just, you know, whatever means you have to get through this, do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, where previously it was like, you know, okay, here's, this is like, you know, one street and there are three guys and the game just clearly has an idea of like how I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. Here it was, it was kind of like, it was like, am I supposed to be hiding here? Is yeah. this, you know, is this intended? Can I just like outrun them? Can I do whatever? And I did think also, I just like... You know, I, I actually I, let, let's talk about the the kind of problematic elements because I did think that it was kind of interesting that it started with uh, there were some lines about that were like clearly ironic of like oh yeah it's like the best in class look at all the facilities they have for the people here you know <laughs> yeah. it was kind of doing like like PR for the asylum of like look what a great place this is. At the same time as it was showing you that it was, like, an, an absolute hellhole. And they even mentioned, I wrote this down, they were, like, the senator visited 
and it yeah. was like the senator. <laughs> like, it's it's funny. It's funny that this is like wait, this is like in America somewhere. It's kind of like when TLC or maybe it's A and E. They have those shows about prisons, and they're like, "This is the most high tech prison ever," and it's just like a door that's more heavy than a normal door. <laughs> and it's like, that's right. And it's like this: people still live in squalor, but they can't get out of the squalor. That's pretty impressive, <laughs> yeah. right? It's like I guess I don't know. Yeah. So I mean, they were definitely doing. You know, they are doing something with that. It's kind of again. It's like I I don't really know what the games politics are but like they are they are highlighting this like difference between how how this prison is like depicted or how also the fact that it like is both a prism and an asylum uh, you know is kind of like i feel like that is commentary on its own whether or not it like uh thinks it is <laughs> that they're they're basically used interchangeably I think the game is probably politically left, but, like, in the ironic sense, kind of like South Park, you know, where it's, like... Yeah, it's which like, it's, like, I, I would really argue that South Park is left, but it definitely, you know, it's, like, yeah. it's taken it's taken shots at all sides. It's taken the piss out of it, but it's, like, also, it's firmly anti-cop and anti-racist, so it's, like, it's kind of good, but also, yeah. like, it's also a Rockstar game from 2003, so you're gonna have to deal with some bullshit. It's it's anti-racist, but they are still going to use the broadest, you know, ethnic <laughs> stereotypes when they're yeah, like making yeah, yeah. their their things. And also, actually, this is I, I I'm sorry to to go off on something, but can we talk about the main menu of this game? Because I've just every yeah. time I've seen it, I've been like, that's weird. That it's just kind of a a forgive me, dangerous looking black guy holding a knife it, that never like, shows up in the game. Not a character yeah. you know and, and it's it's very strange that it, it feels almost like it's concept art from a different version of this game or something i don't quite understand what it's going for other than this general crime aesthetic mm -hmm. and i do think that the fact that they choose to have that be a quote-unquote dangerous looking black guy even though you do not play as him or even meet them does say something about kind of like them leaning into this this aesthetic of like what does it look like to be a murderer yeah i i also it's feel like you'd never encounter you don't encounter like that specific type of bad guy in the game but i also feel like there's just not many black people in the game aside from one boss so it's weird to like highlight it front and center so hard it feels kind of like the gta cover art mm -hmm. where it's like a bunch of very stylized pictures that are just kind of giving the vibe of like here's what the city is like yeah but instead of a bunch it's just this one character and so i, I that just like it always jumped out at me and i was like this is this is doing something. I'm not sure what. <laughs> but the first thing that you do in this level is, like, there's a guy on another side of the door, and the way that you have to, like, pull him over to get him to open the door yeah. is just pull the lever on an electric chair on a guy. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, what's that? And he unlocks the door and walks through, and then you can, you know, stab him or whatever. But it's, like, literally the first thing you do in the level is just pull the lever on an electric chair and worth pointing out rare restraint here from rockstar you do not kill the man in the electric chair he he survives this yeah you know i think it's almost it is it's like you're giving him electroshock therapy <laughs> yeah, as yeah, opposed yeah. to to which is uh you know 
still monstrous, but sure. like you know, it's yeah, you're not you're not executing someone. Uh, well, you are. You're executing the guy who comes to check on him. That's that's the difference. But there was a part of me that thought it was going to do some like faces of death type shit, where it's like, okay, now you get to watch this man electrocuted to death in a state sanctioned mm-hmm. electric chair. But it's like, no, the guy just comes and he's like, hey, man, my bad. Let me turn this off for you. Yeah, it's like, oh, I don't know how that got flipped on. <laughs> um, there is uh, an interesting Easter egg in this level. Is there are a lot of people sitting in electric chairs, and one of them has the. Uh, original face of cash which is like a different looking character really uh, I didn't see yeah this. which is just it's like you know this was i was just watching a youtube video that was like mm. easter eggs and manhunt but like that's that's one of them which i think is kind of funny um but yeah this this mission is it's just cool i think the mm-hmm. i think the architecture of the penitentiary really lends itself to you know running around in the kind of way that it wants you to where you emerge you get seen you you disappear again it feels like maybe the most diverse in terms of gameplay like there is a lot of gun stuff which i didn't mind at this point but it also like plays around with a lot of the stealth elements later on and once you're in the more like typical prison area like it's Mm -hmm. there's the level with the rabbit and it starts like right. kind of throwing different stealth puzzles at you in ways that like keep this whole two chapter section really interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's really cool how like through a lot of this, you know, I think just the tenth or the eleventh level, you can like you have this guard tower that's way above you that mm-hmm. you like there are guys on, but you like can't reach them, and even if you get a gun, you don't have like the range for. And and then you kind of like wind your way through and then eventually you do make it up there and your ultimate goal for the level, which is like one of the only levels that has something like this is like you kill the guy on the guard tower and then you like carry him into a room yeah. and and then the director's like, good job, you did it. Um, and another another weird Easter egg is if you use like a a machete or one of the weapons that will like decapitate someone and you just bring his head in there's like different dialogue oh really and the director the director is actually like hey that was really gross i've left you a shotgun in the next room as a reward oh wow okay so i just (laughs) like kind of funny i just like shot the guy and carried his Mm -hmm. body and then the director was like okay great now take off all your weapons you don't get to keep them yeah um yeah but that that level is really cool and then i think it's the next one which has again like a unique thing in the game where you are just trapped in kind of a series of cell blocks that are kind of like smashed and lead into each other and it actually tells you like do a yellow execution and a red execution meaning like you know the second most graphic and the most graphic uh, and then I'll unlock the door to the next place. What did you think of this level? Well, I think it was like, it feels like one of the only levels this and kind of the direction to kill one specific person and like bring their body for proof feels like the only time it's actually kind of delivering upon um, the the snuff aesthetic of it. Like you are actually being told what to do and how to kill people that I mm-hmm. thought was like really conceptually interesting. This level maybe overstays its welcome but i did like the idea of like okay we're gonna throw 
two more people and you have to kill them within the specific parameter like it there's another one where it's like you have to use a specific weapon that felt far more engaging to me than just like some of the other levels where it's like room after room of the same you know setup this one being like hey i am a director and you have to do this for me for my film felt way more interesting Yeah, and I think, again, credit to the level design. When I first realized that it was, like, this sort of level where you're essentially going to have to, like, do a checklist of things, I was like, oh, man, because I just, you know, I could imagine if it told me to do that in previous levels where it's like you have to get a red execution on someone, it would have just sucked. But, like, the, the series of, like, cells that you're running through here are so dense and intricate that it's, like, it's really easy to lose people. It's really easy to, like, lure one person over to, like, a dark corner or whatever. And so it felt... It almost felt like this was, like, the place that they figured out the game's systems. Like, do you know the the story about Super Mario 64 where, like, they just had Mario run after the rabbit in that basement until it felt good. And mm. then they were like, we can make the rest of the game. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of like what this felt like for Manhunt, where it's like, this is how they, where they figured out how the stealth system worked. And so it, it really, like, it really does. It, it, it feels like you're able to kind of use all the tools. I agree. And then it feels like it throws away a lot of that interesting stealth stuff <laughs> yes, because it it's like, here's guns. Although I do, I do want to say I figured out If I played this again, I think I would have a much easier time because I figured out a pretty foolproof, uh, foolproof melee kill, um, strategy, which is you, you've got like the throwable items, you know, the bricks and the bottles and stuff. And so if you throw you here, here's my strategy. You see a guy, he sees you, you throw one of those at him. He gets stunned long enough that you can you can grapple him and get like three hits on him and then just grab the brick run away just do that again and it's like if you do that two and a half times they're just dead and they don't have a way of attacking you and so once i figured that out i was like oh encounters with everyday you know bad guys not really a problem for me anymore yeah i would use the throw in a couple spots where i just couldn't figure the stealth out and i was like well i'm gonna engage two people at the same time being able to throw and stun one then fight the second one was a strategy Uh i used a lot of the time didn't always work though because fighting in this game is basically a death sentence but you can cheese it hard enough god it it feels sometimes it feels like you're doing like wii sports boxing where you're both just like swinging (laughs) at each other and it's like it is completely random what is going to connect and what not yeah oh it also throwing that throwing a brick at someone it'll you'll sometimes have the reticle right on them it'll be flashing the color you need and then it'll sail like you're throwing a fucking super bowl winning touchdown and sometimes when you're trying to like attract a guy you know, you're going to throw this and it's like, that guy's going to walk over there and then I'll sneak up behind him. Mm-hmm. You throw the brick like three feet and it lands like right in front of you. And it's like, that was not, I don't want him to walk to there. You can hold the throw button and throw it at different like levels, like louder, or quieter, depending on how hard you throw it. And I never could get it to seem to work because occasionally it would seem like I could throw a can, like the babyest throw and it would just 
brings like 30 dudes on me or right. i could throw a brick at like a steel drum and no one would hear it at all within uh-huh. the 10 feet around it yeah and one of the things that really starts to pop up in these levels especially the gun levels is that some of the enemies just have hard barriers on where mm-hmm. they will go and so it's like i can see that there are like five guys on the other side of that door can I just get like one to walk through yeah. so I won't have to shoot them all at the same time? And the answer is frequently no. Like they they will not come farther than their programming allows them to. Or there's the flip side of it where occasionally dudes will go way further than you ever expect, catch you off guard yeah, and kill you, which happened to me in the subway a few times where I thought I had a safe room and the next thing I know oh, there's like yeah. three dudes uh-huh. in there on me. Uh, it feels like if this game would have come out a few years later, or maybe the sequel, we'll see, um, they would have had the AI figured out more, because it feels like there's a lot of interesting ideas that maybe they just could not deliver on with kind of the mm-hmm. unpredictability of AI. The The result is oftentimes the AI is just like stupid and unpredictable rather than yeah. like intelligently unpredictable, like a hitman or something. I, I really had... Yeah, I had big ups and downs with the AI because mm. especially as they start giving you more powerful guns, a lot of the ways through the level are just standing at a doorway and like 12 guys walk through and you just shoot them all in the same place, which is a very dumb thing for them to do. But at the same time, and and one of the kind of interesting things I think they do with the enemies is that you start getting... uh sorry, non-insane people to kill because all of all of the kind of previous gangs that you've been killing really seem to have quite a, a weak grasp on reality. Um, but eventually you start killing cops and then kind of like a SWAT team and they they talk more and and kind of like in fear, them talking gives the illusion that they are smarter than they are. Like, sometimes they would yell, like, I'm flanking him! And, like, I don't know if they were or not, but it was, like, cool to hear that and then kind of be, like, checking over my shoulder to be, like, are are they are they flanking? Um, in, in, still in the asylum, one of my favorite parts, maybe my favorite part of the whole game, if I just had to narrow it down to, like, a 10-second period is you are walking through this area with like 30 locked cell doors and you get to you get to a part and and the either you push a button or the director is like all right cash it's time to go and you just hear like which is like the sound of all the cell doors opening and kind of realizing what's about to happen is so scary and cool of just like oh my gosh everyone in all those cells is running at me right now they give you a slight advantage where like you have guns but not many of them do but like getting overrun in that is like genuinely terrifying like they Uh though i did you have this thing i couldn't tell if this was the game like intentional or it was messing up either way it was kind of cool where the dudes would I had, like, only two or three left, and they wouldn't run full bore at me, like, the beginning of the level. The last few dudes would kind of hang back and run in and out of the shadows around columns. No, I think that's intentional, and that's actually, that's one of the things that I thought was cool about the AI, is, like, this is one of the few, and the the whole feeling of these levels that I really liked was, like, 
you have a gun and they do not, which mm-hmm. is a really different kind of power set yeah. than, than, you know, the early levels. And so I think that they are programmed to seem kind of scared of you. Yeah, You yeah, know, yeah. that, like, especially when you have... Because earlier in the game, you had, like, a, a shitty revolver and a shitty, like, sawed-off shotgun. And, and then in this level, they give you... Uh, you know, I don't know shotguns, but like a semi-automatic one. Mm-hmm. And it is way, way, way stronger than anything you've had previously. And so, like, you are suddenly capable of, you know, killing just more quickly and efficiently yep. than you ever have in the past. And so having these guys be, like, scared to turn the corner, I I, I thought felt really, you know, unique. That, that it was, like, their... You know, suddenly they are James Cash, and you are the, you know, the enemy. I agree. I thought it was cool. The problem is, like, it's a game from 2003, so sometimes you can't tell if you're dealing with jank that ends up cool or if yep. it's intentional, because the dudes are just kind of, like, running zigzags between shadows, and it's like, is this broken? I don't know. Yeah, you know, sometimes I was given it the benefit of the doubt. Sometimes I was mm. like, what the hell is going on here? So this is the level, though, I want to talk about. This is the rabbit level, which I don't, where you chase a guy in a rabbit costume for reasons I'm not entirely sure of. Maybe they just like the idea of like Alice through the rabbit hole, like, oh, isn't this kind of crazy, you know? But it is very fun. The rabbit like sets up little challenges for you. And one of them is like, yeah, go in this room and I'm going to unlock all the cells. Fucking figure it out, dumbass. I think something that this game seems to kind of half invest in is this idea that the guys you're killing, you know, the gang members are, like, crazy, you know, because it has, like, you know, one of the kind of iconic images of this game is, like, a guy with, like, a baby doll head Mm -hmm. mask strapped to his face, and they have this, like, white rabbit, and they have other people in in these ways that are clearly trying to play on kind of horror tropes of, like, you know, the unhinged killers and they're they're so you know they've they've put on wacky clothing because they're just so you know crazy and unpredictable but then like they kind of you know sometimes they say weird things but like Mm. this rabbit does feel like it comes out of nowhere it's just kind of like why is there a guy with a rabbit costume here now a lot of the game feels like there was more story planned at some point. Like you and I, we took a a look at some of the concept art for uh, mm-hmm. Starkweather, the director. And there's like a whole backstory that's never explained in the game. And I don't know if the idea was just like, I will give them this unlockable concept art that will explain backstories. Or if that was planned to be in the game at some point. Or like there was planned to be more exposition. But when you run into the rabbit or some of these gangs that don't have a lot of context, it... It feels like there was the skeleton there to, like, they we were going to flesh this out at some point. It almost feels like, you know, when you read the NES manual for Super Mario yeah, Bros. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, wait, there's, like, context for the Mushroom Kingdom here? Like, I bet, you know, it's somewhere there is written, like, why Carcer City is the way it is. But then in the game, right. they're kind of like, eh, it'll be fine if we just like let them experience it. But I don't know, because it would be interesting. Think about like Rockstar has always been like very into their own storytelling. I wonder if like there was an early earlier iteration of this game that was like way more narrative driven than this ultimately yeah. ends up being. 
you know, like to to both of the game's credit and detriment, it feels like it is just one of those things where they kind of they just cut off everything that wasn't absolutely essential. You know, the game yeah. is just so stripped down in so many ways. And a lot in a lot of ways, I think that's cool. Sure. But then in other ways, it yeah, it feels almost like a you know, a prototype. So let's let's talk about the next levels here, because it, it, it is some of the more story driven stuff, which is a bit of a stretch to say, but also I'd say the last levels I enjoyed before I gave up. Uh-huh. Which is uh when you find the journalist and you protect her for a while, and then you have a massive shootout in a casino, which is Well here, yeah. So let's say let's say like how you get to the mm-hmm. journalist. Remind me. <laughs> okay. So I mean it is just like in in the last part of that bunny level, mm-hmm. you walk into a big cafeteria and the director is just like, well, it's the end of your film, James. Right, you know, yeah. you did a great job. Now it's time to die. And Hold then... On. Can I point out that yes. that was kind of a little plot twist for me? I did not see coming. And I thought it was really cool how anticlimactic it was. There was no mm-hmm. big build up to it. It just like oh, keeping in line with the nihilism of this whole thing. It was just like, all right, dude, you've ran your course. Like, we're not going to make a big production. You're just going to die here. Like, it was very yeah. cool to not make it a big deal. And ultimately, you win and you go through the finale of the game. But I liked it not making a huge production over, like, this is where you plan to die. It's a room just like any other room. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yeah, so then you do you do kind of run out. And for the first time, you don't get picked up by a van at yeah. the end of the level. But you there's a different car there with... Uh, a shock to me a woman in it uh who, who was <laughs> yeah. not uh in underwear was um, the woman from the beginning of the game the journalist that kind of opens this entire thing yeah who who picks you up and is like uh you know we need to like i'm i'm doing a story i'm gonna try and take down the director can you like help me get to his apartment or something but then james cash is also very just like hey you drive where i say you know get out here yeah, yeah, yeah. in kind of the he has more voice lines at the end but he's still not really a character he's just kind of like a guy who yells things yeah so i think the conceit is like you need to go to her apartment and get her files on stark right. weather and then it's it brings back the the um the tramps mission where it's like you have to tell her where to stop where to go but it has this interesting wrinkle where if you leave her she starts freaking out and will kind of run through the level looking for you which like Mm -hmm. i never had really do anything like she would start freaking out and i could usually get to her before she would go anywhere but i wonder if it's like she won't run directly to you she'll like find herself in harm's way or something um, did you did you figure out what would happen? I no, I, she also didn't. I always got back, but I mm. did think that it was a cool way of like making her stand out from the tramp, who was yeah, just yeah. kind of a guy who was like, yeah, whatever, I'll stand here for yeah. however long you want. And she was kind of, you know, it was like I couldn't just like walk halfway across the level and leave her in a mm. dark corner. Um, yep. And so, you know, like I, I think. For what it's worth, it made her feel a little more like a character, Real person, maybe. Yeah. Though, also, another question about Carcer City: Why was her apartment there? <laughs> like, did she? Did she? How recently did she live there? Like, how recently did this place turn into? Yeah, in in Batman: Arkham City, the plot of that game is we've just put a big wall around part of yeah. you know Gotham and we turned it into an asylum, and that's like. 
unsaid that feels like what has happened here that it's just like they just decided a whole part of the city was going to become uh, a prison i'm also obsessed with like apartments in old video games where you know nowadays like in the last of us or something you go into an apartment and it's like so meticulously made like this was a lived in space but in old ones it'd be like here's kind of a bedroom honestly Fortnite does the same thing it's like here's a bedroom and maybe a a kitchen sink and that's the entire apartment and i love they feel like liminal spaces or something it's the it's the really it's the it's the goofy meme of like you live like this (laughs) yeah i love like her apartment is like a bedroom and then a wide open room with nothing in it but then across the hall is like um like an employee break room, which it seems to imply is her kitchen. <laughs> like, what is happening here? It's so funny. Yeah, so you do that. I thought that she might actually be with you for yeah. longer, but she's just that one level. Um, also, kind of interesting. I mean, it's always, it's always kind of a, in the background that it's like, Cash is not, as far as we know, wrongly convicted right you know like he's not it's not like he's stuck in this situation uh and he doesn't i mean no one deserves to be in carcer city but like you know they don't make it like he was framed for a crime he didn't commit it's like for what we know he is a murderer who did something that landed him on death row yeah and yet you don't really get any sense from her at least that she's like scared to be with this guy you know and i kind of it it, it speaks again to just his lack of character of like is he you know is he a scary man i would assume so but it it seems to imply he does have some kind of moral compass because it's like granted you save your family it makes sense you wouldn't kill your family but like the tramp even as mad as cash gets at the tramp he never lashes out or hurts him there's no like you could see rockstar making a scene where it's like at the end cash just decides to kill the tramp um mm-hmm. and then with the journalist is he's like he's a dick about it because he's cash but like he also is protecting her and saving her and helping her and he wants to get something out of it but like I don't know. It seems to imply that despite being a serial killer who you've done all these terrible things with, he's also a bit of a good guy when push comes to shove, which is a weird take for the character. It It is. So you, you help her get like this evidence and then she's kind of like, okay, let's leave. And he's like, you can leave. I'm staying here. I got to kill the director. You know, I guess that, that's his moral compass is kind of like, well, I'm going to get revenge on this guy who fucked me over so many times. <laughs> sure. um, and and then you have this kind of weird beat where he is captured again and is like one of those movie things where it's like if they just killed him now, it would be the easiest thing in the world. Like he's just mm-hmm. like lying on the ground in a circle of a man with guns. But instead... They decide to play a little hide-and-seek game with him. And so you have this level where there are all these kind of... It's kind of like the commando gang or whatever who's mm-hmm. who's looking for you. And and you are running away. And then eventually you have to kill, like, the, the boss of the gang, which is yeah. very loosely a boss fight. But we, we handle this in different ways that I want to talk about. I, I Okay, I forgot. I think this is the last level I enjoyed. This level is really fun because it felt like it cramped everything a lot more like yeah in ways that were really interesting because it's like 
There's still a lot of guards here, but all that open space you were used to is now completely gone. Like, these are, like, tight alleys, tight little garden areas, and then an entire apartment building you have to wander through. It's like an apartment patio and an apartment building, and the building is, like, actually 10 stories tall. And you have to, like, go up all the stairs to it and it rules because it's throwing like different types of guards at you because it's like you might have one floor where it's like yeah they just have machetes so you can figure this out stealthily but then the next floor it's like they all have shotguns so you need to engage in a firefight which might bring down other dudes so you're kind of like swapping between like guns blazing and stealth floor by floor in Mm -hmm. this apartment which was really neat yeah that is what i did uh the first time and then i died a bunch and eventually i just learned that i could kind of run through guns blazing on all of it because i knew exactly around (laughs) each corner you know where the guards were um but the really gameplay wise the thing about this level is it has a moment that is really hitman-esque that i found that i think you did not because yeah yeah you you get to the top of this building and then the kind of boss pops out and is just running away from you. And so what you have to do in the level is just chase him back down all the stairs that you just walked up. Um, but on the very top level, I walked into an apartment and there was a big blown out wall and a sniper rifle. And I thought, that's interesting. Um, and then I realized eventually that if you chase the... Eventually you chase the boss out of the apartment building, into the courtyard. And if you then run back all the way up the apartment building, you can grab that sniper rifle, and he's just standing in the courtyard, and you can just shoot him in the head from the 10th floor. And it, like, completely skips whatever kind of boss there would be. And it's, like, it's a really long shot, and it's in the dark, and it feels like one of those sweet hitman snipes where that's you really just, cool you know you you skip it entirely uh but even with that kind of a frustrating level kick in the dick for sure also i like that bosses in this game except for maybe the one at the end pigsy um they actually can be put down with one shot like yeah. they are not superhumans, which i think is cool like this took me a lot of tries to get down and actually get into the fight with Ramirez, I believe his name is. Mm-hmm. But once I got there, it was like two shots and he was dead. And it was like, okay, level over. And I was like, that's kind of a cool touch to be like, you know, they're still normal people. The shotgun blast in the face is going to kill them just like anyone else. Maybe we should keep, honestly, I think this would be an interesting thing to keep track of for like something rotten games. Because I have kind of a soft spot for any game where it's like no matter how tough the guy is one headshot means they go down and like that is a very and that is certainly true for max Payne. um Mm -hmm. and my guess is it's true for kane and lynch but i actually can't remember um yeah but it's like i always think that's kind of an interesting choice of like you know you have to hit this guy with a bat you know 15 times or whatever and he's strong but like he's human so one shot in the head down sure i mean if i overthink it if i if i add meaning where there probably is none it does kind of just like show how meaningless life is in this world where even the scariest character in the game is like not impervious to death like it's coming just as quickly for ramirez yeah which i think is cool um Mm -hmm. i don't know if they thought that hard about it but nevertheless Uh, yeah and so then uh 
then begins the sequence of the game that lasts till the end where you uh kill pigs because <laughs> the, the the next the next series of levels are cops yeah um you you it, it kind of it doesn't tell you explicitly there's kind of a radio chatter moment where a lot of it is kind of broken up and garbled but it implies and you learn later on the stark weather is in cahoots with the cops, yes. which is weird that he sent all these gangs for you. It seems like he could have just had the cops coming for you the whole game, but nevertheless. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically you just, in Starkweather's last line of defense, he sends the entire police force oh, after yeah. you. Like, it seems like everyday beat neighborhood cops all the way to like militarized SWAT, like just all at the same time. It's insane. The previous episode of this, I mentioned how it's kind of interesting that in some levels you would kill, like, nine people. And I was like, wow, look at the restraint. On one of these later (laughs) ones, I wrote down 51 kills. It's just, like, they throw so many people at you. Yeah. Which, honestly, this is, like, I, I, I don't have much more to say about why I bounced off these levels other than the guns were not fun for me. The lack of, like, interesting stealth was not fun for me. I really want to hear what about this connected with you. Was it just, like, kind of the power fantasy after 13, 14 levels of not being able to go guns blazing? Like, what was it? Yeah, I think there were there were a couple things. One, and this is... It's kind of like... It's, it's almost, I would consider it a fault of the game, but then it, it comes back, is, like, they do make the the gang members so over the top that that you almost you know it doesn't really feel like you're killing people and like i think that is uh kind of (laughs) problematic in a game that like wants you to feel like you're killing people or whatever but it's like these you know the the kind of redneck confederates and the people wearing baby masks and all of that it's like they're all like just so ridiculous that it's like you know they're, it's kind of the same as like the psychos in borderlands where it's just like ah, eh, who cares um and then you know the the cops are normal people you know that it's like mm-hmm. you can see their face they're not wearing masks the paths they're walking on feel more like patrol paths and less like random wandering or whatever. And so in this part of the game, I felt like I almost got why this game was subversive in a way that I didn't quite feel previously because there are these moments where you're like, you're hiding around the corner of an alley watching two cops just casually walk closer and closer to you until they get close enough that you just pop out and shoot both of them. And it's like, it's really, it's really kind of violent and, and, you know, makes you feel uh, like a murderer in a way that I don't think the rest of the game does because it kind of signals that the rest of the people you're killing, like, don't matter, you know? And it's like, I, I say that knowing that that's, kind of a fucked up thing for the game to do but like you know for for this part to be like no you are just a guy these cops are corrupt but they are people and you mm-hmm. are just like stalking them and killing them is is a really kind of 
wild feeling and like like doing one of those things where it's just like hiding around a corner watching them i had the feeling of like i don't think i've played a game that is quite felt like this where where it, it feels yeah. this anti-social in in kind of a meaningful way it's okay so hearing you bring that up is interesting because i do remember thinking like a similar thing where it felt like i was able to empathize with the cops a little more and it might just be like they're more slightly more humanized like it almost feels like you can tell some of these like especially normal just like everyday cops are probably like shitting their pants looking for you throughout these levels and then yeah you'll like flip a corner and put one down with like one shotgun blast which like it felt a little dirtier in that way Mm -hmm. like yeah it feels when you feel empowered in this game like when you no longer feel like the underdog then it makes the killing feel more fucked up because it's like, you know, it's like I kind of have the choice of whether or not to kill this guy and I'm doing it. Yeah. Whereas when you're being chased by the gang members, you're like, I'm just doing everything I can to survive. Also, the game, like, it takes away the director by this point. So, like... Yeah, you're not being told what to do. Yeah, so, like, there were a few parts where I role-played as, like, I wouldn't do the, the fucking, like brutal kills anymore if i had like a melee weapon uh-huh. i would just do quick kills because i'm like i don't know and in my head canon cash would just be trying to get through this like he would have yeah, no reason not, to like he's not trying to make like a cool film anymore on the other hand with like the level in the train yard you have no real choice but to kill everyone it's like yes. 30 people mm-hmm. and it, it, it's kind of an, this interesting dynamic where like you're no longer being told to do this but you're still doing it. And part of it is the game just is kind of forcing you. But narratively, it seems like how far down this rabbit hole is Cash that he's going to now kill 30 people. He maybe doesn't actually have to. Uh, another thing about the section that I started really kind of admiring was this feeling that they made almost like tiny set pieces, but without mm-hmm. any without any fanfare and like completely optional. But like, you know, another one of my favorite like moments of the game, just because it felt so... It felt so much like a movie, but I was in direct control of it. It's like, there's this part where you're, like, running through subway tunnels, and there are, like, a number of tunnels, and it's really dark in there, and the cops all have flashlights, and so you can see the flashlights from, like, a ways away. And there was a time when I saw, like, three cops running towards me with flashlights, and I just kind of, like, you know, pressed my back against a corner, and they just, like, run right past like they keep going because they don't know where you Mm -hmm. are and it it feels you know it's just like that feels like a movie scene you know and and the fact that like the director wasn't like hey cash you can hide from these guys you don't need to kill them you know that it like just let me make that decision It, it you know i it was i respected kind of their it felt like rockstar doing their copying movies thing but in a way Mm -hmm. that like did not break the game at all the the flashlights off in the dark distance in those tunnels is such a like cool visual flair yeah. i will say i did have to finally turn off the um the like uh visual noise on the screen um mm-hmm. i don't know i i guess it would be like early digital cameras like there's kind of a filter over the whole thing right um i had to go in the menu and turn that off for this level because it became impossible to see because of how dark it was dark game yeah Yeah. um another another thing that i just have written down here which i briefly want to touch on is um the headshot animations for this game are insane 
completely in in the in the previous episode again we talked about like how how this game is doing a lot of kind of obfuscation where like the kill looks really violent in part because of what you're not seeing and like you know yeah. if you actually looked at the animation of him beating someone with a baseball bat it wouldn't look like that much when you shoot someone in the head with a rifle in this game it is like the most over the top cartoonish it's like it's like there's like a hole in their skull mm-hmm. and like the rest of the head is still there it, it like it was it was almost it feels weird to say too much but it's like it felt unrealistic in a way that the rest of the game felt more or less realistic where it was just like just fucking but hey look maybe maybe they looked at people getting shot in the head I don't know. look on the other hand like i was a big fan of the shotguns in this game and when you point blank a dude in in manhunt with the shotgun and you see that it is what results of their head it felt realistic to me in a way I've always found, like, very disturbing. Just like, oh, yeah, a shotgun would blow a hole through this man's head. Yeah. And some poor rock star kid had to actually design this. Yeah, and I, I, it's, you know, it's weird that, again, you see this more in the second half because you just don't have access to weapons that can really, like, damage someone in that mm-hmm. way in in the beginning. Um let's let, let, let's just kind of speed through the rest of this so eventually you move past the you know the kind of beat cops and you get into the kind of like the director's personal SWAT team is what it feels yeah. like uh, well there's a really interesting part where th- throughout the whole game there's always this like gang of SWAT looking dudes that show up but they they they're like black they're their outfits are black and red, and they're usually who take you to the next location. And at the end of the train yard level, which is like where this game like fully goes into guns, you get cornered by actual SWAT cops, mm-hmm. and then they are all killed by Starkweather's like secret like private military. Yeah. So there's like a weird thing going on there where Starkweather is betraying kind of the people working for him, and it's never really explored beyond that. But this, like, private military group completely wipes out the cops chasing you. Uh, I'm going to tell you as a uh, or tell you a very weird trivia fact that I learned about okay. the, uh, the SWAT team. I'm just going to read it straight from the Manhunt wiki. John Bernthal, best known for his role as Shane on The Walking Dead and Frank Castle in The Punisher, served as the character mold for Cerberus. So Yeah, and- he's like, he's the voice too, right? I... Here's the thing, I don't think he's the voice. Cause he's like he's not listed in the voice credits. I so I think no, he's I feel like he is because I saw him. I saw I him in the, the credits IMDb. and and I was like, he's he's in there, but I, he's no, it says manhunt motion capture performance only. Oh, interesting. So like John Bernthal in two thousand two doing purely motion capture for rockstar and they were like mm, we don't need this guy's voice we, we just yeah we just want to see how he moves that's really strange and yeah you know it, it definitely delivered i could tell watching cerberus that that was john bernthal i mean john bernthal a man who has gone on to do some pretty something rotten you know performances was john bernthal like was he popular at this time 
Or was it just like he was a struggling actor that was just ended up famous? I, I think he was not famous before. Okay, so I just looked it up. Yes. So this must just be like a wild coincidence. Manhunt is his third credit on IMDb. That's wild. So yeah, I guess just like maybe they've capitalized on it a little bit in the like later years or it just ends up that way. But yeah, this seems to just be something he probably did uh-huh. while like trying to make a name for himself wow wild um yeah so so you have you have these these couple levels with these SWAT teams there's a really probably the physically biggest level in the game is this like hedge maze type thing it's Mm -hmm. basically in front of the mansion that the director lives in um and and it's it's just enormous and it doesn't feel like there are really any boundaries on where the enemies can go at all um but you just like you just gotta shoot them all and this is also this level introduces the assault rifle in the game which is Mm -hmm. like after all of your shitty inaccurate pistols and shotguns you can just you know kill a lot of people really quickly with the assault rifle but also they can kill you really quickly with it and so it's a lot of gunfighting for me it was a lot of just like kiting guys through a doorway where i had a consistent you know bead on them and then just kind of shooting them all that's what i hated so much about the ending of this game was just like kind of cheesing the ai to like you know kill everyone in a doorway i i don't know like oh yeah i i would not say that i enjoyed it i I, this is not one of the levels that i was like gung-ho on okay Man, it it really to me feels like by this point the vibe of Manhunt is completely gone. Which like the vibe of Manhunt sucks and it's made to suck, but like it still had a mood, it still had a tone, it still had this thing it was doing. And by this point it's like a really bad shooter even by 2003 standards. Like I mm-hmm. I guess when I was watching it there was no part of me that regretted my decision to just watch the last couple levels except the Pigsy fight which looked really cool. Yeah, so I'll tell I'll tell you a part that it earned earned the manhuntness back, which okay. was in the next level. You're inside the mansion, uh, and it's, mm-hmm. again, it's this big thing, and you have to like go down to the basement and start an elevator, and then go up the elevator, blah blah blah. Um, but there was a moment where, like, at this point, guns are everywhere. You're never going to be short for ammo. Um, yeah. But I actually made the call. I found kind of like an out of the way room that had like a sickle in it you know like a silent melee weapon and actually deciding to swap my revolver for a melee weapon because i was like you know what i'm gonna be more effective if i can kill them silently which was like not a call that i had made in any of the rest of the game did feel cool in that it was you know it it was kind of like going back to it felt like you know uh james cash grabbing the sickle and being like yeah i'm thinking i'm back you know that (laughs) that he was that he he kind of was like i don't need a gun i can do this you know by hand um and so i liked i liked that i was able to make that call but yeah a lot of this was just kind of cheesing the ai and i 
I was decent at cheesing the AI, and so I didn't have to, like, replay it much, but it's not a particularly inspired level. There's a cutscene right around this part. Maybe it's the intro to this level, which takes place at, like, Starkweather's estate. Like, you are basically at the point where you're hunting him down. He's uh-huh. kind of, like, barricaded himself behind his PMC or whatever. Um, but the journalist has basically launched her expose on this whole thing. And there's a line that I found really funny where... She's like, you know, um, and it's unclear if Starkweather will ever be able to direct again. And it's like, that. what do you mean? That's not a question. We've exposed <laughs> this man for his multi-million dollar snuffering. I don't think he's going to get to fucking direct Lifetime movies after this. With the Yeah, there was this. Uh, so, so in this piece of like concept art that you unlock uh, during the... Uh, you know, it's it's like just one of the extras that you can find. I'm I'm pulling it up where I sent it to you just so I can find it. Because it has some kind of weird lore where he says, that says, once a wealthy and productive director, he has been disgraced and ostracized by Hollywood's elite. Bitter and angry, his isolation has brought about a swift decline into madness. Reduced to filming underground pornography and snuff films for a selective clientele, particularly the Japanese market, he has begun creating a new deranged genre of snuff film movie called Manhunts. And so there's just like, there's a lot in there of him kind of like disgraced filmmaker being being like mad at the Hollywood elite, which like now, you know, certainly has kind of a connotation. And then, and then the whole thing about like, yeah, he makes fucked up movies for like japanese audiences is also this kind of like well i you know my guess is they thought about that almost not at all and just threw that in but like certainly well no, we'll, we'll talk about that okay uh, there is also an interesting thing at the bottom which is where i started thinking a lot of story was cut from this game where it says throughout the game he constantly rants against the movie industry and the people who have crossed him which does not ever happen in the game and i was like that would have been really interesting to hear yeah yeah that it would have been but i will say a thread that is in from the very beginning of the game and only pays off in the last level is the fucking pig man uh because <laughs> this sexy rules dude video game character of the year there is so so yeah it's like from literally i think the second level onward in like you know the like like 15 second opening cutscenes, you will sometimes just get flashes of this like pig eating you know or like this kind of guy you know whatever it's just like like a big man snuffling like a pig and then actually something that we didn't talk about but i thought was really cool is in the last couple levels Pigsy gets loose and you hear them talking about there are two people out here yeah. and one of them is yeah. you and the other one you don't really know but like is Pigsy and sometimes you will walk into a place and there will be people like completely dismembered and and it'll mm-hmm. be like that was not me you know that's that's Pigsy that's the other guy out here it's Who... it's funny because those dudes sound fucking terrified oh, and yeah. it's not of you mm-hmm. they're like hey let's find the dude with the sickle and kill him real quick because we have like such a fucking problem on <laughs> our hands right now yeah and it's for such a, a game that is otherwise you know while ridiculous in many ways not supernatural 
they are mm-hmm. just like, oh yeah, Okja's in this. You know, like there's <laughs> just like there is there is a hybrid man pig who has a big chainsaw and he gets out and he's fucking everything up. Okay, so here's his biography thanks to the manhunt.fandom.com, you know. Some tr- some true saints out there. <laughs> Sometime before the events of Manhunt, Pixie wasn't listed. I- I'm only reading this because the game literally does not tell you a thing about this pig. Uh, Pixie wasn't listed by Starkweather to perform in a snuff film ring. It is believed that Pixie was James Earl Cash's predecessor in the snuff movies before uh, filmed in Carcer City, but became a liability over time. This is crazy. Due to his savage and unpredictable behavior. So was too much even for Starkweather. Eventually, he fell out of the director's favor. Pigsy had a long and successful career in Starkweather's company, starring in such movies as Pigsy's Greatest Hits and Pigsy's Bloopers. Shortly after those films were produced, Starkweather locked Pigsy away in the attic of his estate before employing James Earl Cash. So there you go. But it's just That's... the question of, like, so they found this guy who, like, did look... He had, like, the face of a pig, and they were like, you, sir, are a movie star. I, I, I can't... I never figured out if he was wearing a pig's skin... Like, right. That's. I mean, that's probably what it is. But, like, if you look at concept art of Pigsy, it is, you know... Th- they're, they swing either direction. It really does look like sometimes he just does have a pig face. Um, and also, yep. It just want to point out, um, hanging full dong with the most comically sized penis you could ever see. Wait, it, I I feel stupid. I did not notice this. So uh, yes, I I knew this before this level because I originally wanted to use. Uh, image of Pigsy for the like promotional art for the podcast. Oh wow, there and it is. And he has his full dick out in it. And I was like, I can't use that. We can't put that on Nebula's homepage. Um, a a hilariously big penis this man is running around with. Okay, yeah. And looking looking at this, it does very much look like he has the top of a pig skinned and then like stitched onto him. Oh, is- also it says here. In the first encounter with Pigsy during Deliverance, his crotch is visible, but when he is encountered again, it's gone. Sometimes it will appear again. <laughs> Sometimes it will appear again. <laughs> Jacob, you could not fathom how large the trivia section on the Manhunt fandom is for Pigsy alone. Is it? Is it stuff like they've they've like added, you know, Pigsy things to like GTA Online? Or whatever, because I, I was looking at, like, the Manhunt subreddit, and they were talking about that. Not that I'm seeing. Um, oh, here's something about Manhunt 2. Hey, Okay, no okay, wait. Here we go. Um, so, they do, he does show up in, it seems like, five other, five other Rockstar games. But, like, the trivia section is two times as long as the description and biography uh-huh. and history sections. Um, and you can actually find a pig mask in Red Dead Redemption 2. So they're hmm. still, like, they're still delivering on their still iconic scary. character, Pigsy. Yeah. Um, so they have, I I will say, I was shocked at myself that I uh, did his boss fight in one try um, because it is a very, like, it, it's a very PS2 boss fight, and it kind of seems like it would be bullshit, but, uh, you know, I, I did it. It did have, so it starts with the biggest jump scare of the game, like, the only one that, for me, I was, like, yeah. actually got me. So, you walk into this attic, and there is a piece of 
glass on the ground you know one of the kind of like weapons that you Mm -hmm. can use and you're like well gonna go pick up that piece of glass and so you just walk towards it and then like right before you get to it pigsy jumps out from around the corner and you know waves his chainsaw at you and you run away and it is honestly you know what it is it's it's that boss fight when you're ellie in the last of us and you kill david like that's that's exactly Mm -hmm. what it is where it's like you just have to sneak up on him three times you find three pieces of glass and and you do it but like the game the game does do this really cool thing where like he does not appear on your radar unless you can actually see him and so you you feel much less like you have control over the situation in any way and like every time i walked into a room i was like scared that he was going to already be there um and so you stab him three times uh and then he runs away and then he this is the part that felt a little less polished or a little less like a boss fight like clearly he's injured and you kind of throw bricks to distract him and eventually you get him up to like the very top of the staircase and you trick him into stepping on a metal grate twice you've got to do it twice uh yeah but then he falls through the metal grate and you pick up the chainsaw and you saw his little arms off and he falls all the way down and just hits the ground in a pretty sickening way and i'm sorry i am a sicko and i won't apologize for my crimes it was pretty awesome oh it was to watch it was good and i mean it's like (laughs) it's it's kind of the one time in a cutscene that Manhunt does something where it's like James Cash is doing something fucked up, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. If, if everything else has kind of been letting the, the character, or you be the character who's doing it, mm-hmm. but at this point, you've been scared of Pigsy for so long that it does, you know, it, it feels like the end of a horror movie where you get to give the killer a taste of his own medicine or something yeah yeah and with a chainsaw no less you know classic homage there i will also say they could have made you killing him look more defensive on your part and they did not Mm -hmm. you know like he is extremely vulnerable he is just hanging from this thing he seems scared you know Mm-hmm. And then you saw his arms off. And so it is a very, like, no no mercy in this world. You know, no one's, yeah. no one's like, living through something. But you, I would say shortly here after you do an even more sadistic kill on someone. That's, that's right. Which genuinely, genuinely shocked me. <laughs> like, it was gruesome. Yeah, and, and weirdly, I won't talk too much about this because it's kind of boring. But, like, in kind of a stupid way, the next part was really hard in a way that I just felt like it shouldn't be where it's like a bunch of SWAT team members run out of uh, the director's office because you're like right next to the office. And, you know, the gameplay thing you're supposed to do is like you kill them with a chainsaw, but it's like the chainsaw just kind of worked differently and it makes noise. And so I like died against these four SWAT guys like 10 times after not dying to Pigsy once, and I was like, aren't I supposed to feel, like, cool with the chainsaw at this point? And I yeah. just didn't. But anyway, uh, wh- what happens after that? You you fight Starkweather, who um, is, you can put him down quickly, but he has a gun. So, you know, there's some kind of defensive measures you have to take there. But once you kill him, you take your chainsaw and slice into his stomach, which all his guts fell, fall out, but since this is a PS2 and they can't render it, 
you know, like where you can see each gut individually. It's basically this massive blob of just like viscera that hangs out of him. It looks so gross. It's so he, disturbing. He looks, he's like, he's like a, it's like if you had an orange and you just cut mm-hmm. it in half right at the middle point. Like that's what, he's yeah. just like two halves of a sphere and one it, half it, is just like hanging out. It somehow looks way worse than it might have if, like, it was, like, PS5 rendered, like, intestines mm-hmm. and shit hanging out where you could tell what everything was. The fact is just one massive gut blob was horrible to me. And then you take the chainsaw, shove it right through his little head, his head explodes, and game over, baby. Manhunt. Credits roll. <laughs> Manhunt. <laughs> Some of the strangest music choices at the end of this game. A weird, shitty rock song plays, and then like a kind of upbeat synth thing plays that sounds kind of happy, and I'm like, alright, I guess that's the yeah. end. Shouts out to Manhunt. Yeah, that's it. so that's it. And then, you know, it's not like, here. well, yeah, because I guess you get the you get what the, the um, news reporter says like before that level, mm-hmm. and so it's just like, yeah, that's it. That's Manhunt. Yeah, so Overall thoughts. As I've said before, the second half generally worked for me. I, like, you know, pre in our last episode, I thought it was kind of, like, I thought it was interesting. You know, I thought it was interesting how kind of bare it was. I didn't really get the, whatever, the, the mystique of this game, necessarily. Mm. And, like, those, those cop levels really got me like i i thought that kind of like the stuff that was happening in those levels and the in the mix of of gameplay and and you know actual actions that you were doing you know felt pretty uniquely hostile in a in a way that i i found really interesting um it's still especially because the game ends so abruptly i still don't know what this game is like about you know? Yeah. It's like, does it have, like, a thesis? I I think it does. It's maybe not a well-thought-out or delivered-upon one, but I think it's, like, what we talked about with um, Cantamessa last episode. Like, the idea seems to be exploring player and developer, both. And that's very important. Like, 50-50, two sides of the same coin. Their relationship in video game violence. And I think it's very telling that, like, a lot of this game is about robbing Cash of his agency. You know, like, you'll go through and you will do all this brutality in hopes, like, you can you can kind of visualize that James is like, if I just do this one more thing, I'm out of here. And then, you know, then you have this PMC that shows up. And it's like, no, you have to keep going and you have to keep going. Just like, violent video games will always exist. Which, you know, I'm not going to say is a good or bad thing, but that seems to be the gist of this. Like, as long as you want to engage in video games, you will be forced to do violence Mm -hmm. to other people, even if they're fake. And then by the end of it, like, even when the director is gone and maybe James can have his moment to try and escape, he keeps going through this cycle. Like, he takes it all the way to the top. He keeps killing everyone. At some point with the guns, there's no choice but to kill everyone. There's no getting around it. And so it's like... You, he and you as the player is perpetually caught in this cycle. And that, to me, seems to be the gist of it. It's weird to come from Rockstar, or it's like, in some ways, is it like, you know, Cantamessa speaking against the games he makes? Because, like, you're going to make GTA San Andreas the next year, where it's like you can 
also commit atrocities. You're not forced to, but that seems to be the thesis. I don't know if it really does it in an interesting way. I'm sure for 2003, it was pretty fascinating. These days, it's kind of rote to deal with like a game about game violence, mm-hmm. but I think that's what it's saying. Yeah, I I think that's a I think that's a really good take, and I am like it, it's a game that especially I wonder about. I mean, I think that a lot of the people who kind of speak out about games being immoral or whatever, like haven't mm-hmm. played the game at all, which I'm not necessarily saying. Yeah, you can't talk about games unless you've played the game. But like, I found really interesting that like a lot of the manhunt ness really mm-hmm. does feel like it comes in the second half sure you know like in a way where it's like last week i said like i kind of don't feel like i can make a judgment on this game and like i was right because if i if you stop at those first 10 levels it's i i don't really think you like get the game you only get the snuff film half and not the you know the, the the escaping from that half so it's yeah it's it's fascinating and i kind of this is this is what I'm really curious about. I think Manhunt 2 is not going to be as interesting. I don't really know sure. anything about that game, but I feel like it is going to have more more story and the main character is going to be more of a character. And because yeah. of that, I think it's not going to be able to pull off yeah. the same stuff that this one did. Yeah, I, I, I know I've looked at, I've watched a couple of reviews of it that feels like you're basically on the money there. I also think it takes away the snuff aspect, which is like, on the one hand, it's like, I don't know if you can really deliver on that two times in a row. But also, does this game have any impact if you're just like supplanting it with like oh you're you're just kind of crazy or you're you're dealing with a psychotic breakdown it's like feels like the snuff angle is what makes it worth it to actually play with play this game and like think about it critically and if you remove that you run the risk of creating kind of something vapid in its place to excuse this level of violence but uh that's pontification we haven't played it yeah and and that being said i am really interested in how the the gameplay is going to evolve because this mm-hmm. game is so bare in a way that it's like, I don't think you could release a game, you know, six years yeah. after this came out or whenever Manhunt 2 comes out that, like, plays as uh, sparsely as that one. At least, you know, not a, not a AAA game made by a huge studio. Yeah, I um, I think overall I have no desire to ever play Manhunt again. You know, it's not like a Kane and Lynch 2 or a Max Payne 3 where I'm like... One of my favorite games ever. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to play this again. I think overall, I I like Manhunt like conceptually. Like I think it's an interesting game, if not a very good game. Um, it is a game I've really enjoyed thinking about. I have thought about it basically nonstop for the last two weeks while we've played it, and kind of like it's weird in the how bare bones it is, and yet there is like if you want to put the time into it, like you can really. There's a lot in this game to kind of chew on and think about, like, what it's doing or what it's trying to say and how the gameplay and narrative kind of deliver on themselves, which I think is basically what I was kind of theorizing with, you know, Canna Mess's message and how that's delivered through the game's, like, gameplay loop. Um, In a way, I, I didn't, I don't want to say the game is deep, but I didn't expect it to give me this much to think about. Yeah, I thought just by like the fourth level, I was like, well, I've seen what the game is doing, Mm -hmm. you know, and that and that is really not the case. One thing I do want to say is like, I think it justifies its violence. 
in a yeah. way that some other games trying to do similar things do not. Like Last of Us Part Two, I guess to use like a very recent example, it's not it's not dealing with the exact same ideas, but fairly similar thread in exploring like our relationship with like violence and video game violence. And I've never felt like the gore and brutality of Last of Us Part Two was ever necessary. Like the way you can like make guts spill out of people or there's like a scene where you hack a dude in the face with a machete and you see it and all this like beautiful naughty dog glory it never felt necessary that that it's like they could because i think both of us generally enjoy the story of the last of us too or at least think it's interesting but it's like yeah that story could exist without guts being ripped out of someone's chest and like manhunt could not you know, like, you could exactly. not do this story if you didn't have that stuff. I think Manhunt only works at this level of violence mm-hmm. and, like, graphic violence and gore. Like, otherwise, I don't know. I almost feel like it would not land. Like, there wouldn't be much to think about if the game was not subjecting you to, like, that level of brutality yeah. at all times. Um. So, speaking of uh, that level of brutality, uh, uh, Blake, I feel like you have, like... Uh, you have something you've brought to tell the class about. <laughs> well, I feel like we should talk about snuff films as a podcast digging into these things. We have like kind of skipped over snuff films as just like a general cultural item, a cultural boogeyman. Also, I've uh, generally done that in my life. I have skipped over snuff films, but now I am going to be uh, <laughs> reintroduced but, to them. Well, I, I, I know you're joking, but like they're, is a big part of just like the last 40 to 50 years where we as a a society have been kind of obsessed with stuff snuff films and like very scared of them and this game is playing on some like very classical ideas of what they are snuff films um are weird in that no one really seems to agree on what they are um the etymology Mm -hmm. of it seems to come from a uh, a book written about the Charles Manson family where there was this rumor that the Manson family had killed someone and filmed it on this camera they had stolen from a local TV network and that never ended up materializing it honestly seemed like some kind of um errant reporting on the side of the author to just publish something like that when it never seemed to be um never seemed to be verified um this that came from the family the story of Charles Manson's Dune Buggy Attack Battalion? I believe that's the name of the book. It it doesn't seem to be one of the Manson books uh-huh. that ever caught on, you know, like Helter Skelter or even Chaos or something. Um But that that seems to be the agreed upon like starting point of this idea of what a snuff film is. But then there's a lot of different ideas about what categorizes a snuff film, whether it's just like someone being murdered on tape or someone being murdered on tape, like, to be traded around, or murdered on tape and then sold, and it's all kind of orchestrated by this, like, underground right. cabal of people who run these rings that kidnap and kill people and then, you know, sell those for financial gain. You know, on on that note, like, you know, I say I've, I've never encountered snuff films, but it's like, what I have encountered is you're scrolling on Twitter mm-hmm. and there's video of police killing someone, you know? And it's like, like right. just against your will, right. you are kind of like watching a mm-hmm. death. And so what, what I'm kind of curious about is 
the difference between that, which is kind of this hell world that we all live in, where we're just like subjected to scenes of great violence mm -hmm. and the more classical definition or the kind of the more intentionally yeah. made snuff uh movies so generally people seem to agree that there are no known cases of an actual snuff film which would basically mean Stuff like what you brought up, you know, we see a lot of stuff out of ISIS and, like, mm -hmm. South American cartels. Like, if you want to watch videos of murder, brutal murder, you can do it. It's, like, very easy. You can pull it up within 10 seconds of hearing me say this. I don't necessarily think that's snuff. Snuff, to me, implies some level of intentionality behind why this person is murdered and why this person is filmed. And it, I generally think you there needs to be some kind of financial purpose. Like, a person is killed. Well, and, and almost, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but, like, an artistic purpose? Because it's like, you know, with, with ISIS kind of. movies, there is intentionality in that they are, like, they are filming it right, for right. a reason. But but that's not, right. you know, the reason is is propaganda or intimidation or like you know one of those things it's not it's not like mm -hmm. you don't get the sense that the person holding the camera is like i am making a movie exactly so like when i play manhunt it kind of seems like it fits very closely in my definition of snuff where it's like this is clearly for a group of people with the money to both finance direct and mm -hmm. purchase the stuff and i think that is like what why snuff has become so popular in America and terrified like middle class families is this like honestly there's maybe some parallels to QAnon it was this like you know nebulous cabal of people like kidnapping and killing people and making money off these murders whereas you see something like the ISIS or cartel videos and it's like these are just kind of meant to scare their opponents or keep people away from them they're not like selling these on the black market it, it feels almost it feels almost like how how the kind of scare tactics of human trafficking works where it's like they're kind of like yeah. suburban parents who are scared that their children are just going to be like grabbed off the sidewalk and human trafficked where it's like well human trafficking yeah. is a problem mm -hmm. that is not how it happens you know like those are the victims are not just like yeah. random white families in the same way that it's like your child yeah. is not going to be like pulled into a snuff film yeah so i think that's that's why when you look into snuff films there's plenty of rumors about there might be a snuff film this person might have made a snuff film and then they never are delivered upon because it's like you have to have some kind of like <laughs> there has to be some capitalistic part of snuff but that has not stopped people from uh thinking plenty of real movies were snuff, right. uh -huh. which i think is like you you we have seen pop up for 40 years now um a famous one is mm -hmm. faces of death which um a lot of the at least the original faces of death a lot of that is very fake footage mixed with real footage and the real footage is not really like murders it's like there's a lot of slaughterhouse footage or like footage of the aftermath of an accident where a Unfortunately, a body has just been destroyed. Some people will say that's a snuff film. It's obviously not. Um, a lot of people will... Uh, there have been cases of um, like theatrical, fictionalized movies 
people thinking those are snuff films. A famous one is Cannibal Holocaust, where the director, Ruggiero Diodato, which died a week ago at the time of us recording this, actually, a week or two ago, which, unfortunately, he was a great director. Uh, People thought he killed five people in his movie, and he had to go to a court in Milan and prove that his cast was not murdered. He had to bring them in. It was a whole mess because the production company made them sign... um, sign contracts that they would not appear in a movie for a year after Cannibal <laughs> uh-huh. Holocaust to pretend they were dead. And that really bit them in the ass because uh, they had to go then find their cast and be like, hey, they're alive. And that is much like what you were talking about with Faces of Death. That is a movie where they like kill real animals, right? That's true. And so it feels like that is often, you know, it's like, well, they're killing one real thing in this. Why not? humans mm-hmm. you know that it, that it's kind of this like this this logical uh, staircase that people go down so there's a there's a few more uh classic examples one is the film snuff which i i think kind of came and went like it was really controversial for a moment when people were like oh this is just a shitty movie kind of capitalizing on people's fears of snuff it's basically like there's the movie part of it, and then at the end, it kind of breaks the fourth wall, and it's like the director of this fake movie is like, okay, now we're going to kill our cast or whatever. Like, it's very dumb. Uh, but one of the wilder ones is the guinea pig films, which I doubt you've ever heard of. No. Um, so these are uh, Japanese splatter torture films. Well, really, only two of them are. There are five of them. Says, oh, boy. A-, a phrase that I wish I could have gone my whole life without hearing. <laughs> uh, well, Japanese splatter, I think, is a very famous genre. It does not necessarily always indicate pseudo-snuff, which is what we're basically talking about at this point. Cannibal Holocaust, um, August Underground, these are all pseudo-snuff films, which is the genre classification. The first two guinea pigs are also pseudo-snuff. They're basically filmed to under the guise of, like, you're watching a real snuff film, but you're not. Um, the the other f- three are, like, weird, gory comedies, almost in the vein of, like, some of the Sam Raimi or Peter Jackson stuff, uh-huh. just with a way lower budget. Uh, feels <laughs> like they're made for, like, $10. Um, Guinea Pig 2, though, directed by um, extremely, like, respected and famous manga author uh, Hideshi Hino, weirdly enough, who is, like... Not as well known in the States, but in Japan is up there with like a Junji Ito level of like, this Mm -hmm. is the guy for horror manga. He directed this film and it's basically like, it's this 40 minute film where a guy dressed in a weird samurai costume just drugs this woman and cuts all her limbs off. And that's basically it. But like the one thing Guinea Pig has that a lot of these films doesn't, didn't is like world-class special effects. Like, some of the best special effects Mm, artists mm -hmm. in Japan were making these. So, like, for research purposes, I watched this again last week. I hadn't seen it since I was a kid. And it's like, yeah, it's pretty grisly. You could imagine if you were watching it (laughs) on, like... I haven't seen it since I was a kid. (laughs) Yeah. You know, when we're all kids and we watch the Japanese snuff film. We can do a bonus episode about Blake's weird history with these movies. Um you can imagine watching it in like a fifth generation VHS back in the day, like bootleg mm-hmm. tape traded, where the fucking video quality is so shitty that you can't see the seams. And it's like, oh, this is real. Right. Um, watching it on my DVD. Uh, should hate that I admit it. I own it on DVD. It's a lot. The picture quality is clear. You can see it. Anyway, uh-huh. all of this is getting to this crazy story where at some point, Charlie Sheen saw this movie. It was a very famous story. If anyone's heard it before, you can skip ahead. 
Charlie Sheen was given this movie by um, it's either Chris Gore or Chaz Ballin, who are just like, you know, people around this world at this time. Charlie Sheen was so freaked out. He reported this movie to the FBI or the MPAA. There's a bit of a mixed opinion on who it was reported to. Needless to say, the FBI launched an investigation on this movie because of Charlie Sheen and had to like look into whether or not this was real or not. Ultimately, of course, it wasn't. It was a completely legal and fine film to have and distribute. So the point being, Manhunt is playing on a lot of these fears we see crop up, whether it's like ideas of real snuff or fake snuff that has been mistaken for real snuff. People seem to really think this is a danger to society, which like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say there isn't real snuff in the world. People that have died and their movies have been sold somewhere on a black market or deep web. I also don't want to think too hard about it because I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist about it. And some of these fake movies have been kind of linked to real murders, sometimes somewhat accurately, sometimes slightly erroneously, like... Guinea Pig was tied to the Otaku murder, which was a horrible case out of Japan, where he had a guinea pig film, but it was a different guinea pig film, but they said it was the really bad one. So, like, that really almost ruined a lot of people's careers because of, like, false reporting. Faces of Death was tied to a murder case where, uh, I believe, a kid killed someone because they like really wanted to feel what it was like after watching that movie yeah which is you know similar to what we talked about last week exactly. about about manhunt being linked to these things well it actually the guinea pig case mirrors that manhunt case a lot because it was like it was somewhat involved but it wasn't exactly the way it was reported and all this stuff and it led to a whole bunch of controversy um I'm bringing all this up, one, because I think it's interesting. We should talk about it as the source material. Two, it's like you start to understand the explicit horror manhunt is kind of like delivering upon. Like it Uh is taking these very old ideas of what snuff is and this like secret shady cabal of elites making this stuff and the cops are in on it and the government's in on it. Like it's very much like kind of preying on these fears and poking a lot of fun at it, but also doing some interesting ideas with it. But it's like, it's not wholly fictional in that, like, a lot of people just believe this is real. And we've had a lot of cases of, like, actual investigations having to happen because someone's, like, Charlie Sheen saw a Japanese splatter film on a shitty VHS and called the <laughs> FBI. That, so is, that, is, that is truly wild. Uh, yeah. Th- thank you for the history lesson. Sure. I, that was That was really, really interesting. And I am, I am excited with that knowledge to now play another one of these games and kind of see, you know, see what they're doing with it, if anything. I think snuff is like, it it, it sounds weird to say to be like, oh, I'm really into the idea, like learning about snuff films. But I do think it teaches you a lot about like human psychology and just the way we fear like these things that Uh have never been proven to. There are so many weird parallels with like QAnon. Obviously like QAnon is on such a, bigger level but like you start to see some of the the frameworks of like conspiracy theories we deal with now and snuff where it's like 
people just get it in their brains that these things exist and it all of a sudden becomes like a part of their life trying to debunk it or protect people from it. Right, that it's like, well, if it exists, then every part, every institution is tied into it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and it does affect people's livelihood. Like, whether or not you morally agree with the idea of making a pseudo-snuff film, I do not think people should be demonized or have their livelihoods hurt by the fact they make those movies but we've seen time and time again where like directors are really impacted by like someone thinking the art they made whether you want to call it that or not is dangerous to society because they like filmed a a horror film essentially they're way more there's a lot more dangerous art in the world than like a dude who thinks it's going to be cool to like work with his friends to make a fake movie where someone gets fucking cut up like i don't think that's a problem in the world it's like very low on my list of priorities but like you do start to see these like weird groups show up it's like we got to protect the kids they're going to be like kidnapped and tortured and sold to this black market and it's like it's not true but we did get a cool video game about it we we got a cool video game about it and then next week we will see if we get two cool video games about it or if they really (laughs) should have uh cut cut their losses and uh just made the one manhunt 2 uh the first half of it which actually i haven't looked up the levels but generally the first half of that game yeah i can't imagine a lot of people are going to play along with us if if they want to i'll say uh figure it out on your own i don't know if we can (laughs) i don't know if we can talk about how to play this game yeah playing playing this game is going to be uh be tricky but anyway uh that's something rotten uh manhunt open and shut uh ready for manhunt 2 bye